Welcome to Seeds, a show where we talk with people who are living lives of purpose and doing amazing things that make a positive impact in our world. We take time to listen to them as they reflect on their life journeys and what has shaped them into who they are today and what motivates them to be involved in what they do. Well, kia ora, everyone, and welcome along to the show. I'm glad you could join me, as this time we get to speak with Jezza Williams. Now, this was recorded in front of a live audience down in the Christchurch Botanic Gardens last night, and it was great to see about 120 people packing out this venue. And it was an event organized by the Canterbury Employers Chamber of Commerce, so a big shout out to them for doing all the work in prepping it. And it was a real privilege to deliver a talk about paradigm shifts of thinking about business, and then to interview two people. One of them is Bridget Williams from Bead and Proceed, who's been on this podcast before, and I'll put a link to that interview in the show notes. And the second was Jezza Williams. Now, the reason these two people have been selected is that they're using business models and doing things with their businesses, which are really unique and interesting. And they're really operating for more than profit. They've got purpose and mission in mind, and clearly at front as well. So I wanted to quickly edit this up and put it out so that you all could hear it. Now, you'll quickly see that this is just a short version of Jezza's life story. So I want to say that I will interview him again at the start of the new year and put that out as a full, more normal Seeds-length episode. But I loved what he had to say, and I also loved the way he challenged my own thinking about the term accessibility and inclusivity. So hopefully you also will be challenged by this. If you enjoy this interview, then you might want to check out some of the others in the back catalog, because there's now more than 150 there, which sometimes I reflect on, and I think, that's actually pretty cool. And a big thank you to Vodafone, who sponsored it, as well as Tash, who was the person behind the scenes pulling it all together. Now let's jump into this little interview with Jezza. All right, so that's quite a trailer. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Beautiful scenery, too. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit um, about your journey? Where do you want me to begin? Uh, well, where are you from? Oh, okay, so uh, I'm actually a lovely Kiwi country farmer boy. Grew up in the in between Philly and Geraldine. Mm-hmm. Um, and through my experience, I um, ended up being in the adventure industry for a really long time. Uh, being a river guide, canyon guide, ski patrol, etc, etc. And I worked all over the world. I was running trips on Zambezi, running trips in Europe, running trips in... Central America and running peak in my game really and then something happened I had a canyoning accident in 2010 in the Swiss Alps and I broke my uh, C5 um, vertebrae which is right up here in my neck so that pretty much put me in this position which is tetraplegic so I don't have hand function uh, I don't have triceps if I put my hands up in the end I just <coughs> pull down and everything from back here down runs on its own cruise control really? yeah it's the fun part <laughs> <laughs> well it sets the scene for the business that you have started and that you're involved in making tracks so can you tell us a little bit about the journey of that business keeping in mind the paradigm shifts we've been talking about exactly so um, after I had my injury I was 35 I've been in the industry since I would have been 15. Um, I had all this experience and I kind of thought, hmm, you know, what am I going to do now? Um, and everybody was saying, oh, you can get into the computers, you can get into this. And I'm like, what, go back to university? There's no point, you know. Um, you have all this experience in your life, um, then it's important to be able to use that experience to the best of your ability. 
So I looked into the outdoor industry in New Zealand and internationally to see what was available for people that are in my position or people that are more abled and less abled, depending on what you want believe ability is. And um, I was really blown away. There was no infrastructure. There was not that many opportunities. And um, the world, including the venture capital in New Zealand, was incredibly behind the times um, within the tourism sector of possibilities. Um, and it sort of blew me away a little bit. Um, and that's when I decided making tracks it's, it's, it's interesting because that's a that's an industry that you knew really well. That's that's what you've done for decades. It sounds like yeah, totally. and yet it hadn't been you know you hadn't really realized that this wasn't available. Yeah, well you don't really think about it. Yeah, until shit happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, and plus, in my career, I've worked with thousands of people. Mm. Yeah, like hundreds of thousands of people. And I've always come to the conclusion that everybody's got a different ability. It's got nothing to do with um, having a disability, which is a very wrong but strange word. Because mm. everybody's got a different ability. Mm. Um, I've taken city people that are probably overweight and can't speak English on river trips. And putting somebody like myself and a river trip nowadays is actually a lot easier than having to deal with certain clients. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's what sort of started the whole yeah. process of making tracks, yeah. So what year did you start making tracks? Well, I had my accident in 2010. I was in a rehab centre in Switzerland for a year and then I came back to New Zealand in 2011 and I started my company in 2012. Right. I started the company in uh, whilst I was in rehab. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Dylan. And um, from there, don't worry about it. I think they can hear you. Yeah, yeah. That's um, and so that's when I started thinking about what I was going to do. That's when I came up with the idea. That's when I came up with the business plan. That's when I when I started coming up with names and logos and all that sort of mm -hmm. all the administration side of things. Um, and so I started in 2012, and then I came back, when I came back to New Zealand, and I started opening companies of my friends. Um, so, as you see, we don't do things by halves, yeah? So I started, Scott Ivan was our very first company, Scott Ivan Kiwis, down here in Ashburton. Lee Barraclaw is an extremely good friend of mine. Um, Scott Ivan was easy. You can just drop a brick out and play in you. I'm still not sure I want to do it. Uh, <laughs> um, but to make it safe, we need to come up with systems. You know, like if I was going to jump out of a plane, if I was going to land, I can't land, I can't lift my own legs. Um, and I don't want to damage my butt. And I don't want to break my legs. So I first went in and just brought duct tape and towels. Right. Went down and saw Lee, and he thought I was going to hang out and watch. And I was like, "You don't know me that well." <laughs> um, so I started back there was for the very first thing we opened, and it was really uh, wasn't very professional. So then I started making harnesses and using the skills that I have within the outdoor industry to understand. You know, I'm a canyon guide. I know how rock, how ropes and pulleys and stuff work. So we came up with an amazing system for uh, opening up the skydiving, and then of course I'm a river guide. 
So then I went with another good friend of mine, Tim Marshall, who runs Ultimate Sense in New Zealand. And I got a sailing harness and we adapted it to become a rafting harness. And that means that this body here can go rafting. And that's sitting up on the outside of the raft as well. Um, and then we can do multi-day rafting trips. And then we look at camping and that sort of thing. Everybody sitting down is very, very uh, you know, inclusive sport. And that's why I explained a little bit about the difference between inclusive and accessible, because there's always a big mix up. And then we started paragliding. Um, and with that, I worked with good friends of mine down in Queenstown. Um, and we opened up paragliding. And same thing, we just had ropes to hold up our legs to start with. Um, and then of course, I actually went, wow, this is a sport that I can do myself. So I started um, developing a system um, that took me about five years to get it on. Um, and went through many different trial and errors to get it right. It was quite exciting. Um, and now I've got it sorted and I've even got my own license. So the Paragliding Association decided that I've got the skills necessary to, to be a pilot myself. So now I'm the only qualified C5 teacher pilot on the planet. Um, and the only wheelchair pilot in New Zealand that's licensed. So it's, um, yeah, that's another thing that helps getting in the industry, showing what the possibilities are. Yeah. Um, so what I'm hearing is that you're taking your business and, and making money is important because you want it to be sustainable. But it's about more than that. It's about making this, these activities accessible to people who had no option before. Exactly, but well, they're not accessible, though. This is what I'm trying to explain. <laughs> <laughs> A river is not accessible. Right. Glacier is not accessible. No. None of accessible. Yeah. It's inclusive. And this is the big problem these days when people think of accessibility. Because what I do, the way that the company makes money is I do consult, do consultancy work. I do consultancy work for DOC, Outward Bound, for all many different organisations. But I also have all of the adventure companies in New Zealand subscribe to the Making Tracks movement and they pay me $250 a year to be part of Making Tracks. And that gives them, um, they can be on the directory, so that's the inclusive directory, it has all that information that anybody needs to choose to book safely and confidently in their own home before they come and do an activity. And it, our logo goes on all the outdoor companies. So the outdoor companies are marking me. Sort of like TripAdvisor, but way cooler. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, the companies I work with, say today for example, I had a guy that weighs 90 kgs and is an electric wheelchair and he wanted to go for a heli flight down in Queenstown. Rather than him having to phone up that helicopter company and be denied, because he's talking to somebody that doesn't know anything about it. Then what happens, he contacted me. I called Brad Patterson, who's in charge of that helicopter line. And I say, hey, we want to charter a helicopter with three people. They want to fly from Queenstown to Fieldland. He weighs this much. We'll need four people to put him in the helicopter. And Brad's like, yeah, sweet as we can do that. Boom, and it's done. It's information, and it's knowing the people that can open it. I, going into a company, if I went into a company and says, hey, you guys should be accessible, 
what's going to happen is that company's going to turn around and that's the paradigm you are thinking about accessibility. They think about toilets, they think about ramps, they think about infrastructure, they think about dollars, dollars, dollars. No, they're not going to get amongst that. But if I go in there and say, hey, I don't really care about accessibility, what I care about is inclusiveness. All inclusiveness is, is information, cooperation, training, and only when it is needed, it's adaption. And then all it takes is a little bit of understanding. Like I also work as ambassador to Inclusive Nepal. And um, so that means we organise, we help the Nepal tourism industry open up Nepal for everybody for accessibility. If you want to make Nepal accessible, especially Kathmandu, one of my faves is you've got to get a big bulldozer and knock the whole place down and start all over again, you know? <laughs> but it is more inclusive than Christchurch. Do you know why? I don't. Please tell me. More people are willing to help. If I was to get into a taxi in Christchurch, I would have to get him myself and he'll be putting the meter on. Chance of him getting out and helping me into that car is slim, really, really slim. If I go to Nepal and I stop a taxi, I'll have five people there already trying to get me in the car. Like mm -hmm. it's no. get back, get back. <laughs> so Inclusive tourism is what it's about. People don't come to New Zealand to use the bathroom. People come here for the outdoors. They come here for the experience. And that's what making tracks is. is it's keeping it simple, practical, safe and fun. And the companies that I work with, all the top companies in New Zealand, and we're gaining more and more and more momentum all the time. But it's real simple. And as you said with that paradigm before, it's also kind of lucky that I fell into this position. Reason being, I'm a fantastic guinea pig. So if I can do any activity, then anybody can do those activities. Right. So not only am I lucky with my experience, but I'm also lucky with my stupidity. <laughs> well, thank you, because you have helped me to shift my own paradigm about accessibility and what that word is. And I know for me, that's something that I've always thought was, well, make it accessible. But I understand what you're saying. It's about inclusivity. Mm. And that's a different conversation, isn't it? The other thing, too, if somebody um, is overweight, you know, they, it's all about vetting clients. Every outdoor company vets their clients. They look at what, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he can't go skydiving. I can. Arnie's too heavy. <laughs> yeah. um, but I don't want to go down a glacial fed river rafting. That'd just be stupid. Rangatara, <laughs> fall out, I'd drown and freeze myself to death. However, Aaron Farthingham, who's, you know, wheels, who does those big flips for Nitro Circus, he's been down there four or five times. So it's about understanding the product, understanding the client, and being able to put it all together again, which is really cool for what we're doing with making tracks. And it's, um, I always say this, but you know, I'm sure there's people here that have got 
way good friends that I have, and that there's also um, is an ability. So your abilities are a lot different to my ability. Um, so that side of it as well is really kind of interesting when you indulge. Like, and if you want to say it's a disability, mine is really obvious. But I guarantee there's people here with stuff that they don't like to share with others, and uh, it's not so obvious. So I think um, we say 15% of the global population has some form of disability. Why don't four New Zealanders in this last census have some sort of disability? Yes, it come maybe a learning disability, maybe blindness, maybe a hearing impairment. Accessibility doesn't help with people that have got vision impairment. Accessibility doesn't help people with hearing impediments. Accessibility doesn't help with people that have learning difficulties. Accessibility doesn't help some kid that's got, you know, ADD. So it's looking at the whole big picture and making everybody equal and willing, you know, to help. Does that make sense? Mm. No, that's great. And I think we've all been able to learn something that we probably didn't expect coming to this, you know, because that's certainly a a paradigm of thinking of the world that I hadn't appreciated. So thank you for, for sharing. All right, so um, this evening we've heard from two special guests and we've had some thinking about this idea of paradigm shifts. The challenge that I leave with you from my part of this is what does it mean in your context and in your world? And what is it that you're involved in that you have some little control over, some little power over? Um, what are the conversations going to be that you have tomorrow and over Christmas? And uh, maybe you can talk with people about maps and Monopoly and see what their reactions are. Um, because I think this is, a, this is definitely a generational shift that things are changing and paradigm shifts are happening. So it's whether we choose to embrace it and um, grab it or uh, ignore it. So. Um, I'm going to hand over now, I think, for the ending, but after this there will be some drinks and we can mingle and talk as well. Um, so thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, I do hope you enjoyed that interview. As you could probably tell, there were some bits where I wasn't sure exactly where he was going in terms of the use of the word inclusive and accessible, and I'm really glad he took the time to explain it for people like me who hadn't really thought in depth about the use of those terms. I know for me it was really challenging, and I love that. Be watching out for a more full-length episode in the new year. Mm -hmm.